Hello, and welcome to episode 326 of Constructed Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Dalton Shannon, comics creator and co-writer of the team on Mechaton on Kickstarter now. Dalton, thanks so much for, for joining us. Let's uh, do as we normally do when we lead off an interview. We ask for two things. We ask for a, a quick bio and an elevator pitch for the, the book that we're here to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Dalton Shannon. Uh, I am the co-creator and co-writer of uh, Mechaton, uh, as well as other books uh, like Frankenstein, The Unconquered, Descent into Dread. Um, uh, I've been making comics, been making the funny books for, for quite a while now, uh, specifically with, with Wells Thompson, my, my co-writer. Um, but right now we're working on uh, the, the next batch of issues for uh, one of our flagship series, Mechaton, uh, which is a kind of rule of cool sci-fi comic uh, about a glove that falls from space. Uh, two siblings find it and discover that anything they punch with it turns into a giant mech. So that means a hot dog cart, a house, a police car, a city block, like you name it, it becomes a mech and they use it to fight off uh, giant kaiju, uh, government bodies and uh possibly other robots there's 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 a lot that can happen in this book it's a little all over the place it's a lot of fun and uh we love it that sounds really awesome so i guess maybe my first question was what was the the first idea that either you or or wells got was it the the glove falling or was it that hey you know we want a you know a kaiju um mech battle like what 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 came first uh well uh, Megaton was actually uh, this. This is Megaton's tenth anniversary this year. Uh, from the original idea, the germination. Me and my uh, friend in college had just got done with some uh, some benders watching uh, a lot of anime, specifically mech anime like Gurren Lagann, Code Geass, uh, some Gundam, and uh, we were just like spitballing ideas at like three in the morning, and somehow out of that came glove punch into robot and uh that just kind of took hold of the imagination and i immediately went uh went back that weekend and wrote the first script which is well it's it's had some retooling in the the decades since it was originally written uh but the 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 conceit the core conceit of the the glove turning anything it punches into a robot has uh, survived uh intact that's always been kind of the, the core appeal. Uh, and then uh, everything else kind of fell into place around it. it. It's what can we turn into a giant robot and how do we get there? And uh, how do we make you care about the characters along the way? Yeah, so maybe a little bit of a follow-up is, you know, I think a lot of, of a challenge for, for creators is, you know, you get this cool concept and you, you mm-hmm. hinted at this right here. It's like, you know, mysterious glove falls from space, you punch it, awesome things happen, which, you know, is cool, but, you know, you hinted at this, you know, I need to care about the the character, right. I need to, I, I need to want to root for them. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you were able to accomplish that? Uh, yeah, the, the characters have always been, uh, character is always kind of central to, uh, what Wells and I write about. Um, 
I tend to find character in the absurd and the over the top, and he tends to find character in uh, the more literary, uh, thematic kind of way. Uh, so Mechaton very easily could have fallen into the Saturday morning trope where, uh, and there's definitely a version of Mechaton that exists where it's like every week is a new monster and a new robot and we punch it and we, we fight it. Uh, and that would be a lot of fun to do, but it, it may not be uh, as narratively fulfilling. Uh, so we were very cautious about going into it, making sure that we had a spine that would hold up the skeleton of the the mechs. Uh, so as long as we have, you know, at least one cool new mech each issue, that kind of satisfies us. It doesn't even have to have a cool fight, as long as we have a cool mech. Uh, and then the rest of the time we focus on the characters and the relationships and uh, Derek was already pretty fully formed. Uh, he's the one, he's the older brother. He, uh, he's the one who has the Mechaton glove. It's kind of stuck to him. He can't get it off. Uh, he's kind of thrust into this position of, uh, piloting mechs to fight giant kaiju. Um, and he's been pretty much intact since the first script was written all those years ago. Uh, okay. but when I brought the project to Wells as a potential, uh, story that we could go through uh he brought in leah uh his younger sister who's more of the i won't say brains but definitely more of the uh tactical side of the uh the sibling relationship uh she actually has readouts on her phone that she can kind of get into derek's hud while he's fighting and kind of direct him so that he doesn't you know completely screw it up when he's uh, up against the kaiju so they work in tandem together and uh, exploring that sibling relationship uh, has really kind of given more meat to to the story than we uh, we could have hoped for, honestly. Like it could have very easily just been candy and popcorn and monsters and punching, uh, but but thankfully we have characters we actually really care about writing and have a lot of fun writing uh, behind all of that. Very cool. Well, um, that gave me me two questions. I think one um, from like maybe like a story structure standpoint. Um, when you were talking about like, you know, there, there's a cool mech that shows up and, and we fight that, but we have to continue the overall uh, story. Uh, you named a lot of animes. Um, I wish I was more uh, familiar with animes, but like one thing that I uh, resonated with me when you're talking about that, um, I'm going to show my age here is, is Voltron. Um, oh yeah. So like, you know, they always fought somebody at the end, but mm -hmm. like the, the relationship between the, you know, the, the five or six uh, guys slash girls that were uh, piloting the, the lions. I, I think there was two Voltrons, but the, I, I mainly <laughs> saw the one with the lions. Um, so it seems like that's something you're doing here where it's like, all right, you know, monster of the week or, or mech of the, uh, uh, of the issue, but they're still, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're advancing the story and um, building the characters. Um, is, is that something that it sounds like that's something you guys were, were focused on doing? Yeah, we're not so much focused on um, an episodic narrative where mm -hmm. uh, it's a different kind of threat every issue. Um, from issue one, we are building towards one large story and uh, different antagonists show up to, to give our characters some trouble. But uh, it, it's not like an episode of, of Power Rangers where there's status quo, 
bad guy shows up, we beat them and status quo is restored. It's very sure. much status quo is disrupted in issue one. And the rest of the series is basically how do they solve the problem? Uh, so uh, yeah, so the, it's basically one big narrative uh, moment. Like the momentum is there from issue one that carries through to every single issue. And uh but, but we always want to make sure that we're introducing like new things every issue because it is yeah if the, the fact that we're releasing it as single issues means that we have to give each issue something that makes it worth it right like if you get to the end of an issue and there wasn't something new or something mm-hmm. in there to progress the plot it would feel like a waste of pages so uh, we, we always want to make sure the plot progresses we want to make sure the characters uh solve some problems or get introduced to new ones and of course seeing all the cool mechs uh so yeah it's really important to give each chapter its own identity while still uh maintaining that one long narrative nice and was one thing that was uh either discussed or was one thing that was important for you for these siblings to have one be a, a male and one to be to be a female to allow you know readers you know you know, myself as a male, maybe identify with, with the older brother. And then if, it, you know, a, a female shows up at your, at your table or comes to your Kickstarter, maybe she's like, all right, this is cool. This is not a bunch of, you know, you know, Batman villains punching each other in, in the neck. Was that something that was important to you? I, I, I would hope that everyone identifies with Derek and Leah equally because uh, mm-hmm. everyone's a bit schlubby and everyone's a bit self-centered. Uh but but it was important that we had uh, we had the dynamic that they have uh, when okay. when Mechaton was originally conceived. I was writing it from a uh, from my own personal experience. I have a younger brother, so I wrote the relationship as two brothers, just because that's what I knew. Yeah. Uh, and then when Wells came onto the project, now Wells also only has brothers, but Wells. Uh, interacts with lots more people than I do on a regular basis. So he's like, you know, why don't we just, why don't we change it to a sister? I I think that would work a lot more. And he was absolutely right. Um, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that because I only have brothers, but, but no sister would work out really well. And uh, Leah has become uh, one of the best characters to write. Like she is, uh, she loves her brother. She wants to strangle him sometimes. And uh, she, she helps the story like without Leah, the story doesn't happen. Like she's the instigator essentially. Uh, and, and we get to have all of these cool things in there because uh, Leah is who she is. Uh, I don't know that the story would even be close to what it is if we had kept it as, as two brothers. Uh, the, the, I don't think the energy was, was there, you know, like the, the dynamic was, solid and it was relatable but it didn't have the same energy that Derek and Leah have very cool well I thought earlier when you started describing that and you were like I identify with Derek I thought it was going to be because a uh, a glove fell from outer space and now you were you were punching uh things and and turning them into to robots and mechs but uh, uh the- you know my uh my my law offices say I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations very good very good so i'm looking at the kickstarter page right now and just sort of scrolling through the the preview pages Mm -hmm. that are very dynamic um 
has it been the the same art team um, throughout, um, or have yes. you had changes along the way? No, we have uh, had a consistent art team. We've got Fernando Pinto doing uh, the line art. Uh, for, we we met Fernando online over over Twitter. Uh, he's a Chilean art professor who is just so much fun to uh, work with. He's he's like deep in the sauce on on comic artists and me and him kind of go back and forth on some of our favorites and his style is is so uh it it has that kind of manga energy without being manga in in the same way that like something like scott pilgrim does uh Mm -hmm. the the characters are super expressive and they move across the page really well uh and and his mech designs are always so it's such a treat to see Uh, and we've had Meg Casey on colors, who uh, just makes all of Fernando's art really pop off the page. And uh, we have Nathan Kemp on letters, who we we work with quite a bit on other projects with Nathan as well. And, and every project, Nathan brings something different, uh, especially uh, like in, in the way the, the mech's dialogue balloons are, are different than a normal person's balloons or, or the kaiju's uh, speech is, is more staticky like it. Nathan is is super talented. We have a great team behind this book, and it, it always they always make us look better. Yeah, I mean, anybody going to the Kickstarter page and just looking at the these preview pages would be able to see that uh, almost almost right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get um, Fernando um, to to be the the artist. Um, you know, it sounds like these are things that have been living in your head for for a long time. What was it like the first time you got a, you know, a character sketch or an idea um, turned over to you? Um, I found that it's, it's, in my experience, it's, it's one of two things. It's either by some uncanny um, reason, the, the artist is able to almost capture what you have in your mind's eye or they they do that and and they approve upon it what was it like the first time you saw maybe the glove or uh, you know a picture of the the two main characters and in character design what was that like for you uh it, it's always better than what we have like every time we work with an artist it, it's always better uh i find when i write i uh i don't ever have a solid grasp on character designs or or the look of things like a lot of it is like shadow people on a cave wall when i'm writing Mm -hmm. uh so it's very kind of amorphous and i i know who the characters are but i don't always know what they they look like if that makes sense so when uh when we get pages back from fernando or, or anyone we work with i'm always like yes that that is that's great like somehow they they take that that uh, amorphous nature I put into the script and uh, they, they, they pull a person out of it. And mm-hmm. it is like 98% of the time. I'm like, yes, that is perfect. Uh, keep doing that. Do, just always <laughs> do that. And especially with the mechs, like I, all we said is, and then the hot dog cart turns into a robot. Like I, <laughs> we didn't really, we didn't really give us much direction outside of that. And Fernando just gives us gold every time. That's awesome. Has the uh, the process uh, evolved over um, 
the first three issues, um, you know, and four and five that like um, maybe early on you guys needed to see thumbnails and pencils um, and just sort of sign off um, along the way. But as you guys have, you know, you're going to get three issues in working on four and five. Um, has that process been able to be uh, streamlined where you guys have a, a better sense of communication? You're like, all right, Fernando, um, you know, we trust you. Um, just uh, skip thumbnails and, and, and go to pencils. Like, uh, or are you still sort of looking at things um, each step of the way? Uh, no, it's it's definitely gotten smoother. The the better the relationship has has become. Uh, we Fernando likes to send us like thumbnails and uh, maybe loose pencils, um, but for the most part, we we trust Fernando to make the best call. Like like we even tell him in the scripting phase, we're like, look, if something on this script page either isn't going to work or you can think of something that works much better, do it. We trust you to, to do it. Uh, and he always comes back with something better. Uh, there will be a handful of times, like we'll get thumbnails and we'll have some notes and be like, maybe twist this a little bit. And then that's really all he needs. Uh, and then he'll go straight into the, the inks. He's an incredibly fast artist. So uh, from thumbnail to inks is nothing at all. Uh, so we don't really, Fernando doesn't need a whole lot of direction. Uh, uh -huh. He doesn't need, he doesn't need our help. We're just writers. <laughs> so yeah. all we, all we can do is be like, that's great. Or maybe try this direction. And, uh, but no, the, the process is, is pretty, pretty streamlined at this point. Awesome. So uh, I guess maybe uh, a couple of questions to, to follow up on that. Um, do you guys write uh, full script or do you uh, do Marvel method? And I'm not sure if you're familiar with what, what yeah. Marvel method is. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish more people did Marvel method because uh, those are uh, so much like the results of those are always so much fun. Uh, we do full script. Uh, I don't, I, I can't write any other way than full script. I, I have to have it all kind of laid out in front of me. Um, okay. And, and, and Wells also does full script. Uh, Wells actually comes from screenwriting. So like he, he's used to the, the full kind of scripting process. Um, okay. but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, one of us will do a full script, a first draft, and then like bat it over to the other one and then they'll do a second draft. And then usually by the third draft, we'll have something in place uh, that that's pretty good to go, pretty, at least a panel lock. Uh, I really want to experiment with the Marvel method. And I've actually even talked to Fernando about it, about maybe just giving him like a loose eight page megaton plot and mm -hmm. uh, just having him go to town because I like, sometimes I feel uncomfortable giving a full script because like, I know that artists like to like have more control over the page. And so when I give them a panel by panel breakdown, sometimes I, I feel like that can feel a little constraining to an artist. And I always want them to feel free to even ignore how many panels we put on the page or, or uh, flesh it out or break it down even more, like make that page theirs. But I, uh, I don't know how to write any other way. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I always have to just tell them up front, hey, like make this your own. Uh, so I, I do really want to uh, experiment and and maybe maybe we can get a uh, 
a Marvel Method Mechaton eight pager out of it, but uh, to be determined. That's that's really cool. Well, you you touched a little bit on my my second question. Uh, it was going to be about having a co-writer. So it seems like um, one person takes a pass on on a draft, and then it goes to the other person for mm-hmm. um, you know edits, updates, um, and then it, it. And you said by the time you get to third, you're pretty much locked into to. Um, you know, panel descriptions, number mm-hmm. of panels, how the story is going to go. So has that always been the process? Uh, generally, yeah. Uh, whenever the, we have a, a new project, one of us takes point. Uh, so mm-hmm. like with Mechaton, Wells has point. And uh, that means he will do the first draft. And then when he sends it to me, normally I like to take his first draft and then I will essentially write an entirely new second draft uh, going off of his like you know, structure and things and, and trying and, and maybe even completely destroying the structure. Sometimes I, I like to strip it down and then build it back up uh, from there. And then I'll bat it over to him. And then all he'll have to do is like go through the second draft and make edits. But, and then by then we'll have a nice uh, hefty amalgamation of our two uh, scripts into, into one. That way it doesn't feel like two people wrote it. Um, we, uh, we've always worked really closely together. Uh, we're really good friends. We, we met in college. So uh, we, we have a good working relationship to where uh, if something is terrible, then we can tell them it's terrible and it's not going to rub anybody the wrong way. And, uh, okay. and the fact that one of us takes point means that if we do have a disagreement uh, that we really need to have resolved, they get the final say on what goes forward. If we just can't make a decision they make the decision um okay so uh so yeah that's how it is for mechaton uh i have point on our other series frankenstein the unconquered uh and the process goes the same there just in reverse so uh it's a really it's really fun it's it's really intense editing sessions more or less uh and it helps having someone that uh you like and you trust to to do it with uh and it's worked out pretty well for us so far that sounds awesome. So I, to, to follow up on this, um, so you had mentioned earlier that uh, Wells um, originally started off with, or maybe Estelle with, uh, more of a screenwriting uh, background. Uh, does that lead him to more like suggest like angles and like screenshots um, when, when he goes through or... Has that uh, maybe it used to? Okay. Um, well, Wells just uh, has always been like just a writer. Uh, he mm-hmm. he he does uh, short stories and novels, and he's done uh, screenwriting. But when I approached him to to like work with him, he had never done comics before, and I had only exclusively done comics. So he was like, it was a whole learning experience for him. Okay. Uh, so when he first started dipping his toes into comic writing, it was very much screenwriting and uh we kind of had to like work through the best way to translate that into a comic script and and uh i helped coach him through some things and and then he brought some language over from film that helped out my scripts a bit um but no we don't ever i mean yeah we'll have like uh the bird's eye shot or the worm's eye shot or, uh, but, but like you can't really say this is a dolly tracking shot in in a comic mm-hmm. book so uh so yeah, some of that language gets left behind. Some of it's useful. Uh, 
but but most of it is just script writing. Script writing is pretty much the same across the board. And just in terms of in comics, you have to break things down a little further than you do in, in film. It hasn't been too much of a problem, thankfully. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so I think, well, I had two thoughts there, like, um, and maybe this is the case for you. Um, but every once in a while when, when I'm writing, I'll be like, you know, I see this as a wide shot, but, mm -hmm. and I'll maybe put in parens like, but this is just an, ex this is just the suggestion. So if mm -hmm. you see this another way, please, you know, feel free to do that. Um, I don't know if that's the case for, for you guys, whenever you um, maybe see a, an angle or a, a, you know, a way to, to do the shot, if you just like suggest it and then like the, 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 the artist has a chance to mm -hmm. either go with that or not. I don't know if that's the case for you. Uh, generally, we only do that when it's necessary in a script, like for a, a close-up or an inset or um, uh, like a splash or a large page or something. Like why, I, uh, I don't know that I've ever actually utilized wide shot in a script. Like usually the artist uh, translates that into it uh, based on how the page uh, moves, essentially. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't... Uh, we do use, like, zoom in or uh, same shot, like, like if we need to repeat panels or if we're going to be, like, successive panels all zoom in or zoom out from, from a certain point. But, uh, but no, we, we don't ever do, like, mid-shot or wide shot or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, we usually just leave that up to the artist, unless it's yeah. like imperative for the plot. Okay, so I'm guessing that basically, or maybe the the, the biggest thing that is a is a change from a, from a comic script to to writing a, a screenplay uh, for something that is either going to go to uh, the small screen or the big screen is the is the element of, of page turns. Was that something that um, you guys had to discuss that um, you know to to capitalize on the on the medium of somebody holding a physical object mm -hmm. in their hand, and when you turn that page, there's a there's a little bit of a pause, there's a little bit of drama, and you turn. Was was that something that uh, you know had to be? you as somebody who was was writing comics and somebody that um, had a background in, in writing comics, was that something that you guys ever had to discuss? Uh, no, we have had, uh, we've had talks about page turns. Um, honestly, by the time Wells and I started working together, I don't even know that I was super like great at, at page turns. Like I, I, from a lifetime of reading comics and like absorbing and regurgitating comics, I, I think I had this uh, innate sense of the page turn and how to utilize mm -hmm. it. Uh, so I think I was already doing a version of page turns in the script, but I wasn't ever consciously focusing on it. Uh, yeah. And when uh, I was introducing Wells to the entire uh, format of, of comics writing uh, and we started kind of exploring page turns together almost. So now as he's learning about them for the first time, I'm actually learning how to utilize them more properly. So it, it's almost like we were kind of on the same page 
learning about uh, how best to utilize those page turns. Uh, they're yeah. super useful, super important uh, for for certain uh, plot elements. Um, so so yeah, it, it was uh, it was a learning process together. We we had some fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I used to, and I need to to put it up. I used to have a a piece of paper next to my desk that was uh, the format of a 22 page comic. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is going to be when people turn the page and I would like look up at it and, and reference it every once in a while. Um, it's one of my, my favorite things to, to do. Um, but, you know, you have to um, sort of master that skill. Um, but it's, it's actually probably one of my favorite things about comics. It's just that mm-hmm. sort of that moment of anticipation of, you know, uh, you know, I just saw the Punisher shoot at a guy on the last panel of this page. I'm going to turn. Did he hit him? Did he miss him? Mm-hmm. You know, that 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 kind of stuff can can be a lot of fun. Yeah, and um, it's one of those things that's unique to the printed page because you you lose a lot of that mystique when it comes to transferring it into a digital medium. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, like. And in some cases, every single page becomes a page turn. And yeah. so then you have to, to make everything. Or in some cases, like Webtoons, every panel becomes essentially a page turn. So, uh, Very true. So it's, uh, yeah, it, that the specific page turn is it's really unique to that, that printed page. And we, we like experimenting with it. But we also don't want to make it so uh, so super prevalent that, like, you're, you're getting into this kind of, like, wave or cadence where like every two pages you're starting to feel like we're like there's a hump you're going over when you're reading digitally or something uh so it's 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 something to be aware of i would think yeah yeah those are those are really good points and i think a lot of um people as they progress in their career about pacing is is like the the high moments you know i'm guessing Mm -hmm with your book there's there's a battle there's an outcome and then sort of everybody sort of has to regroup uh recollect so there's a way to not necessarily with a page turn but it's like all right here's four pages of awesome you know mech action kaiju action all right the the battles come to to a conclusion but everybody's sort of picking themselves up and dusting themselves off so there's there's pacing that you can do inside the 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 issue um, as mm-hmm. well as with with page turns, right? Oh, no doubt. Like it, it's a story. Like sometimes I like to. Sometimes I pretentiously tell people that like all I really do for uh, for a living is just like solve puzzles all day, uh, because that's all stories are is just figuring out how the pieces fit in the best way that they fit. Um, so, so yeah, pacing is a piece of that, that puzzle that like maybe this piece can go here and the pacing starts to really drag. But if you take that out and maybe move it ahead or you move it further back, or maybe if you just like tweak it just a bit to where the piece is a little smaller, it fixes the pacing issue entirely. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, all a, it's all a puzzle and it comes with practice and it comes with um, understanding the beats of not just stories, but your stories specifically, like like how that pacing has played out in the past and um, what your readers are uh, expecting. Yeah. 
So uh, I'm looking at the Kickstarter right now, um, just sort of uh, scrolling through, um, you know, the anybody looking at this is just going to be amazed by the art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, I'm just looking at the, the, the collector's tier uh, for 50 bucks. And uh, the, the, there's a cover that's uh, FF1. Homage, yes. which is really awesome that just <laughs> jumped off the page to me um so i think we talked a lot about story um and in and, and stuff like that and you know the genesis of the idea and how you guys work um i want to turn the the interview a little bit about uh a little bit to crowdfunding mm-hmm. um so you guys have gone to to kickstarter um, a few times with with this project. Have you gone to to Kickstarter with with your other projects? Uh, yes, we have with uh, Frankenstein: The Unconquered. We've uh, successfully funded issues one and two. Uh, we're actually in the process of find, of finishing up number two to get that sent out before long, and then later this year we'll be launching uh, the next Kickstarter for three and four. So yeah, we've. Uh, We've basically exclusively used crowdfunding for our books so far. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, um, so you guys are veterans of the the, the crowdfunding space. Um, with this Kickstarter here, um, you know, say I'm listening to this interview and everything sounds really awesome, but I'm interested in in delving into some of the uh, the other projects. Is is that a uh, opportunity for for me as a as a backer uh yeah if you want to just if you want to just jump on with the latest issues we we have number four and five available or we have all five issues of the series it's never been a better time to jump in and and check out the book Uh, it's the conclusion of the first arc so uh there's a lot of story to uh to digest with with mechaton specifically but we also offer uh, as add-ons, uh, our other books. So you can grab the first issue of Frankenstein. You can uh, grab our horror anthology, Descent into Dread. Uh, Wells has had a few short stories and some other anthologies that I believe are also available as add-ons. So uh, okay. if if you guys, if you're if you're really feeling that uh, Shannon Thompson uh, product, then then we have uh, pretty much all of it available on every Kickstarter. Very cool. And uh, I have to assume that, uh, as with most Kickstarters, um, you know, digital uh, mm-hmm. print is available. Um, are there any? And I'm I'm scrolling through the the rewards here. Um, what are some of the other um, things that might be available to to somebody that's a backer? Yeah, we've got. I mean, like you said, we have the digital and the physical. We have that in the. Uh, the singles, so issue four and five, or you can get the catch-up tier, so you can get all five in either digital or physical. Uh, we have uh, a we have Kickstarter exclusive variant covers. Uh, so if you just grab the regular physical editions of number four and five, you have your choice of the A or the B cover. Uh, but we also have Kickstarter exclusive variants. So there are three covers total for for each book. Uh, but you can only get the Kickstarter exclusives on Kickstarter. We're not going to be printing extra and taking taking them to cons. What we print is what we print. So uh, they're 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 and they're pretty great covers uh, from Elo Gonzalez and and Lane Lloyd uh, 
specifically. Uh, those are available. We also have the collector's tier that you mentioned that has every single issue uh, of Mechaton and every single cover of Mechaton, variants and all. Uh, so if you uh, love your floppies and you love your variants, that's available for you. Uh, in addition, we have uh, foil, iridescent foil covers. We do those for every campaign. They're super shiny. The, the paper that uh, the actual book gets printed on is a bit glossier than the standard edition, which is more matte as a more matte finish. So uh, the colors really pop on that, that foil edition. Okay. Uh, and uh, probably some of the, of course there's an everything tier. So you can get like annotated scripts and, and all the covers and all, and all the goodies we offer. But uh, one of the coolest tiers that I personally think is our adopt a page tier where uh, for the price of the art, you can buy a page of Mechaton. Uh, since Fernando works digitally, we don't have like the Bristol boards to like send your way. So what we do is we, uh, it's first come first serve. So you get to pick your page. And uh, then inside the book on that page, we'll have like adopted by uh, Matt. And uh, then we get to send you a one of a kind 11 by 17 print of that page that you can kind of hang up. Uh, and, and that's, it's yours. Uh, it's a really cool way, I think, to just kind of give back and, and let you own a piece of the book because Mechaton's super cool. I, even on the, the last campaign, number three, somebody adopted the uh, the page where the Mechaton Mark III, the big house robot, shows up for the first time. Uh, and that's a, I would love to have that hanging on my wall. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, and then we have commissions yeah, that, from Fernando as well. Uh, Fernando's a great yeah. artist, as you can see, and, and uh, he'll draw whatever you like. Yeah, I was uh, I was I was scrolling through, and that was one of the ones that uh, I stopped on. And I think that as we continue to go into the future, where more people are working digitally, those sort of one of the one of a kind, like I'm only going to print this off mm -hmm. one time as an eleven by seventeen, you know, and sort of give you a co, you know, a coa that like, hey, mm -hmm. this came from the artist, this came from the the creative team. You know, this is this is our word to you that you know, one-time print. Um, it's 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 like an it's like an original art page, but as people move towards digital, that's that's what we're seeing more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that that's pretty awesome. And the I'm I'm just looking at the 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 sample of the uh, the Doctor Strange um, that Fernando did. That that's that's really awesome. Nice. Um, are those all digital as well? It looks like maybe he's drawing with an Apple pencil there. Uh, the commissions are uh, are physical. Yeah, so he'll, he'll oh, okay. draw. Yeah, he'll draw you on a physical piece of paper and get it sent your way. Very cool. Very cool. So we we we've, we've touched on a lot of things. Um, so this is this sounds really cool. You know, I love that we we started off with this really cool idea of a glove falling from space, um, and then you know punching things like hot dog carts that 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 turn into mechs that you have to you know deal with from there. And then you know we have the the brother and sister relationship um, and all of that stuff. It just sounds really awesome. Um, you know, you guys are you guys are kickstarting this right now. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just see right here. You guys have, uh, you guys have at the time of this recording, you guys have about 
a little less than than two weeks to go. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like things are, are are tracking pretty well. Um, how are you when it comes to uh, crowdfunding? Are you checking the page every thirty <laughs> seconds to see you know how many backers we have? You know, sort of where we are towards that goal. Are you able to like chill out, walk the dog, you know, go do something, uh, I, come back, I leave check. all of that anxiety to Wells. Okay. Like Wells is a little manic about checking the page uh, and uh, it causes him no uh, end of grief. But uh, that means I get to like not worry about it and I get to be uh, his moral support so that when he does get super anxious, I'm like, dude, just go outside, touch some grass. It'll be okay. <laughs> And uh, I can afford to say that because I'm not, I'm also not looking at the numbers because I would be an anxious wreck if I was doing that all the time. So uh, in the same way that we uh, make comics together, we're, we're kind of (laughs) being the checks and balances for each other there. That's, that's, that's really cool. Um, Well, I have to admit, I'm a uh, a check every 30 seconds uh, type of, type of, type of guy or, or girl, if if that's the the case for you as a as a female creator, um, I would like to get away from that. But I think just sort of uh, my OCD nature is like, um, you know, always you know what's going on and and stuff like that. What uh, what kind of uh, promotion policy do you have? I know that this podcast was set up um, by Jeff Haas, who I guess you guys have reached out to um set these things out for you but besides um well in addition to a podcast are you like what's what's your what's your what's your philosophy like posting on facebook instagram twitter um how are you guys handling that uh we mostly stick to twitter uh that's where we each have like the most followers um Mm -hmm. But I mean, my follow count is so minuscule. It doesn't matter what I do on those websites. It's not going to matter. So, so uh, we, we do our best to uh, promote the book online as best we can. Um, but at the uh, end of the day, it comes down to uh, people seeing the campaign, really liking it and, and sharing it with others. Um, it's, it's super hard in this new era of, uh, comics where everybody can make comics and I love that but that means we have so many more uh, voices to kind of like weed through to find to, to get any sort of, of purchase so the, the hardest part now isn't making the book it's it's getting heard um, yeah so online promotion always freaks me out I, I hate putting my face online i I hate i I just do not enjoy doing that so uh i i do what i can i do what i i have to to get the book out there but uh but podcasts are uh a a great way that's uh i can do that and not freak out is is that why your 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 picture in the kickstarter is you what is that uh, do you have a uh half of your face covered by a, a colander or what, what it's a colander that? yeah yeah no, that's so, so. 
yeah, I can't ever take a picture, an actual photograph of me seriously. So uh, I decided to just draw one. And at this point, it's on all the business cards, it's <laughs> on the website, and it's become the brand. So uh, that's that's my picture now. And until uh, I look significantly different, uh, that's the pick. So uh, just, just a crazy question. Do you ever have to... Uh go to a con and put a, a colander on half of your face so, so people might rec- recognize you? Uh, not yet, but there have been requests. <laughs> Very cool. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to talk to you about this. Um, you know, at the beginning of the interview, you gave us an elevator pitch. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, this book and a little bit more about what we can expect from this Kickstarter? Yeah, so uh, as mentioned, Mechaton is about a glove that turns anything it punches into a giant robot. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, why you would need more than that. But uh, if you do, uh, this particular Kickstarter, uh, we're funding issues four and five, which is the conclusion of the first arc that we've been building towards. Uh, We get to uh, see our characters kind of uh, very quickly realize that they are in way over their heads. Up to now, they've been mostly combating local threats and and dealing with local authorities and the doors get blown wide open at the end of issue five and the world expands so much further than uh our main characters ever could have imagined it would so uh so yeah this is never it's never been a better time to jump in to mechaton you can get all five issues i believe that's 108 pages uh, so you have quite a bit to dig through, uh, and even more covers if you're feeling it. So, uh, so yeah, go, go check out Megaton. It, it, you know, it's got robots. What, what else do you need? <laughs> uh, you don't need much more. Mm-mm. Um, so first arc would indicate that you guys are, are, are planning to, to continue, is that, uh, continue this. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is only the beginning. We, uh, I think we have a very loose outline for about 15 issues, so about three arcs in total. So uh, we're going to, once this campaign concludes, we're going to get hard at work on starting the second arc. Very cool. Um, And if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to, but do you know um, where the the end point is this to this series is that that you're working to? You know, I'm thinking about like something like, the walking dead like kirkman was like hey you know i'm gonna keep doing this but i'm obviously at some point he knew like where he was going to end it do you do do you guys have that in mind yeah we we basically have the final issue like if not actually written out like at least written out in our heads uh so we we know where that final issue is going to land um and we know about how long it's going to take to get there uh but uh as you know, uh, the middle parts are always the uh, the juiciest. So who, who knows uh, if it'll take 15 issues, 14, 17. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> no, but that's it's also got to be sort of um, uh, as a creator, sort of a, uh, a relief to know that you're always sort of working to this end point that like, yeah. you know, I can't meander too, too much because you know, 15, 17, 25, I'm, I'm eventually mm-hmm. going to get to this point. So 
um, that that's got to be a good feeling as well. Yeah, and I've written both ways where uh, I a lot of the times when I write, I have a I know where the story ends. Uh, but for something like Frankenstein, I knew I had like 13 issues and I had no idea where I was going. I just started writing and I knew I had to finish it up at 13. And well, I had some fun getting to 13 issues, that's for sure. That's really cool. So I'm going to have a link to the, the, the Kickstarter and, and the show notes. Um, but where are the best places to follow? I think you mentioned this earlier, Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I want to keep up to date with this and other projects. Where are the best places to follow you and Wells online? Yeah. Uh, so the best place is definitely Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Dalton K. Shannon, and you can find him at Wells Thomp. That's T-H-O-M-P. Uh, that's where we're most active, uh, Wells more so than me. Uh, also on our Twitter, uh, I believe it's in my bio, if it's not in his as well. Uh, we have a link to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, it comes out once a month, and uh, it keeps you up to date on all the Shannon Thompson uh, goodies that we're cooking up as well as books we're reading cocktail recipes some pictures of cats uh it's a yeah if you want a one-stop shop for for us that's it uh and then of course the kickstarter which is awesome. running until the 22nd so uh so don't wait go grab your copies now yeah yeah so kickstarter both twitters um links to the to the newsletter will will be in the show notes um uh, Dalton, it was it was great to, to talk to you about this. I'm um, I'm really thrilled to um, you know look at the art and excited uh, to see this and and to see more. Um, I just want to thank you for 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 joining us. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Uh, great. So as I mentioned, uh, links for for everything will be in in the show notes. There's also going to be a second Kickstarter link in the show notes. And that's going to be for the pre-launch page for, for Metal Eagle. That is a comic that that I wrote and created. And uh, Noah, my co-host, who couldn't be here tonight, is doing the lettering on. Um, so there's a pre-launch link there. If you want to follow our podcast, we are on social media. Twitter is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. And Facebook is Constructing Comics just want to thank everybody for be, uh, being here. Um, go out there, make some comics, and be nice. Thank you. <laughs>